It is my pleasure today to, to speak with you, Erica. It's been a, a, a couple of months since we last spoke, but I'm so thrilled with your book, Thicker Than Water, and the journey that you took in actually writing this book. And I've, I've heard so many positive things, not only from myself from reading it, but also from, from others that I've recommended the book to. It's a very accessible, yet very reader friendly, not only just from an accessibility perspective that in that way, but also in terms of visualizations that people have when they're able to read the book to see and put themselves in the position that you have actually created for them. So I was hoping maybe you would start off by telling us a little bit about, about what started this whole book and we'll go from there. Yeah, well, first off, thanks for having me again. Nice to see you. Yeah, so that's a great question. And, I, and it's one that I think about a lot because this journey that I've taken has taken me all over the world and it's been very long, you know, many years now. And it started when I was actually 15 years old and I was a wildlife rehabilitator. I was basically working as a nurse for sick, injured, and orphaned wild animals. And I learned really quick that most of the animals in our care were there because of humans, either intentional or unintentional harm. And one of the major dangers that was kind of unintentional was plastic. And I mean, over a time, even just from the time I worked at that wildlife hospital, which was about seven years from beginning to end, I just saw an increase in the injuries and fatalities caused by plastic and unwrapped so many animals from plastic strings and, and fishing lines, ropes. And it was just a problem that was clearly getting bigger, but with no apparent cause at the time, because I was just treating the symptom of the problem. Fast forward to my college days, I'm still a licensed wildlife rehabilitator, but I was trying to figure out how can I prevent these problems from happening? And that's when I started diving into the plastic crisis was actually in college and started doing some freelance writing about it. And then after college, after getting a master's, I wanted to do freelance journalism full time. And that actually brought me back to plastic again. <laughs> so I started writing about it for major media outlets and then was offered the opportunity to sail into the garbage patch in 2016. And that was what really solidified this journey into, um, you know, I was definitely going forward with it. And you just bring this up and, and you talk about it very, very casually, but you truly are the age group that we are looking for to give us hope for the future. So you, you, you've written this book, uh, Thicker Than Water, at the age of 29, and perhaps even earlier than that, that's just the, the date that's referenced with regard to the book. Tell me, in your opinion, if, if you don't mind, you know, where do you see yourself in this issue? Because this is just a major issue. Pa plastic is one aspect of this really major human impact issue. Right. Uh, where do you think young people can, can add value? And where do you think partnerships across age groups is important? Yeah, so there's a lot to unwrap here, but essentially people that are in my age group, I think we've grown up with a certain perspective on the world, a very unique perspective as every generation really has is their own unique perspective. And that's something that relates to the interconnectedness is that we have to recognize every person has their own experience. And the time is one piece of context that will influence who we are and what we feel and how we act. So fundamentally, the plastic crisis is about values. I mean, we have the issue of environmental degradation and our connection to the environment, a disconnect from what it means to be alive. You know, we're just consuming stuff and having material around us. And it's a very self-centered lifestyle, often based in narcissism, because we have advertisements telling us who to be, why we should be that way. And then fundamentally, what's driving this is a greed for money 
mostly on behalf of a few very rich people, people that are in charge of the industries that sell us plastic, that sell us petrochemicals, that keep things flowing through our, our hands. So people my age, I think many of us recognize that and other generations do as well. But the thing is where we have grown up kind of in this cusp between having a lot of technology all around us and then like having just phones basically and maybe the beginning of the internet is we've seen kind of both sides now of what life was like before it like vastly accelerated. And this is not to say the plastic crisis was not a problem in say the 90s where I was born and growing up. It definitely was a huge problem then. However, just, you know, a few decades were so many more billions of tons of plastic, you know, added to that amount that was there when, when I was a kid. And I see that life has quickly accelerated, even beyond the point that it was then. So like connecting with these different generations, recognizing our own metamorphosis into a different type of world and understanding what it means not to go back, but actually to build something that's better than there ever was is really important, but we can gain insight from many, many different generations. And I think having conversations intergenerationally is really important because that's when the information is kind of revealed. So that was kind of long, but <laughs> that's, oh, how no. I, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Your generation, as you've just pointed out, has the potential because you see the outcomes of all the problems right. that were created by prior generations to actually engage in critical thinking as opposed to just blindly assuming that the system that we have is okay and can right. always fix the issues. But I, that point is well taken. In, in terms of just looking at how young people can be involved, and I, I'm so sorry to keep bringing up the concept of youth, but given that I am a, a one, one entire generation removed from you, I do look at you and I do I do remember, you know, being that young and, and having the knowledge that you do as to what's really important in this world, right. which not all of us in my generation did because we were very much victims of marketing. How can you lead us forward? Because the fundamental issue here is how do we start to see the value in what we value as opposed to the value of what we've been taught to value, right? That's really, really a great question. So it all boils down to understanding who we are, I think, as well. And we can be taught values as, you know, industries have taught us values, but we'll always have like the core human values that are intrinsic to being a person. And I think those are the ones that we need to tap into because they're very simple. And I'm not saying that it's going to be simple to maybe emphasize these values in people who maybe feel like they have lost them or don't want them or don't have them, but they are fundamental and simple. And I think there are ways we can tap into them that can give rise to a pretty rapid shift in thinking and behavior, but it does need to be these kind of fundamental values. So I would give examples being, for example, justice, health, equity, and it's not like monetary things. It's very like basic things that are linked to being alive. I'm just gonna add to that because what you're talking about, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, is an innate conscience-driven concept of justice and equity, not yes. a regulatory concept of no. justice and equity. No. <laughs> and those are extremely different. And, and yeah. people should really take a foothold here. We live in a society that defaults to regulation as opposed to conscience in right. a way to circumvent what we really know is right and wrong. That's a, that's a critical point. I'm glad you pointed that out. And definitely that's, that is what I was referring to. And yeah, I mean, 
I feel very fortunate that the communities that I'm in, when we speak about these things, we don't have to put disclaimers, but that is so important. And yet the things around us and the things that have been marketed to us often serve as distractions. And so the further we get from who we are, the less likely we are to recognize those basic, you know, fundamental values, I'll call them, and yeah, our deeper consciousness. And because it's, you know, we are removed from ourselves. We're eating this fast food, we're driving this car, we're going to this place on a vacation. It's just a lot of superficial stuff. And it's not to say that we shouldn't do things that we enjoy, but it is kind of understanding why we do things and what the impact will be is what's important before we act. I think I want readers to be left with two fundamental questions. And those are, what do I need to live? And what can I live without? And really understand what that means. And it's not about getting upset and thinking I can't have things that I like. It's about actually thinking about those questions I just asked before too, about what are the implications of this and why do I want to do this? So really digging in and the speed of our society, I think is something that is really difficult to contend with. However, when we can make space for thinking and conversation, that's a very valuable thing. And we can't forget to do that. We can't be so driven by what we're caught up in to just slow down and stop and, you know, speak to our communities, talk to our neighbors, talk to our friends and families and share information because that's what's going to be really key. Thank you so much for your time with us today. And we definitely look forward to continuing this conversation with you to your next book. And right now, for those of us who are looking for a good read and something that's informative that will also affect the, perhaps not only our perceptions, but those of people that we come into contact with, we recommend Thicker Than Water by Erica Serino. The book is available in hardcover, ebook, and audiobook format. So thank you so much, Erica. Thank you so much. Take care.